Hello everyone! My name is Shreya, and let's read Harry Potter together. In the last episode, we read Chapter 5, Diagon Alley. In this episode, we will be reading Chapter 6, The Journey from Platform 9 and 3 Quarters. Please enjoy me reading this chapter! Now let's start. Chapter 6, The Journey from Platform 9 and 3 Quarters. Harry's last month with the Dursleys wasn't fun. True, Dudley was now so scared of Harry, he wouldn't even stay in the same room. While Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon didn't shut Harry in his cupboard, force him to do anything, or shout at him, in fact, they didn't speak to him at all. Half terrified, half furious, they acted as though any chair with Harry in it was empty, although this was an improvement in many ways. It did become a bit depressing after a while. Harry kept to his room, with his new owl for company. He had decided to call her Hedwig, a name he found in A History of Magic. His school books were very interesting. He lay on his bed, reading late into the night, Hedwig swooping in the out of the open window as she pleased. It was lucky Aunt Petunia didn't come into Hoover anymore, because Hedwig kept bringing back dead mice. Every night before he went to sleep, Harry ticked off another day on a piece of paper he pinned to the wall, counting down to September 1st. On the last day of August, he thought he'd better speak to his aunt and uncle about going to King's Cross Station next day. So he went down to the living room where they were watching a quiz show on television. He cleared his throat to let them know he was there, and Dudley screamed and ran away from the room. Uh, Uncle Vernon? Uncle Vernon grunted to show he was listening. Uh, I need to be at King's Cross tomorrow to to go to Hogwarts. Uncle Vernon grunted again. Would it be alright if you gave me a lift? Grunt. Harry supposed that meant yes. Thank you. He was about to go back upstairs when Uncle Vernon actually spoke. Funny way to get to visit school. The train. Magic carpets all got punctures, have they? Harry didn't say anything. Where is this school anyway? I don't know, said Harry, realizing for the first time. He pulled the ticket Hagrid had given him out of his pocket. I just take the train from platform nine and three quarters at eleven o'clock, he read. His aunt and uncle stared. Platform what? Nine and three quarters. Don't talk rubbish said Uncle Vernon. There is no platform nine and three quarters. It's on my ticket. Barking, said Uncle Vernon, howling mad, the lot of them. You'll see. You'll just wait. All right, we'll take you to King's Cross. We're going to London tomorrow anyway, or I wouldn't bother. Why are you going to London? Harry asked, trying to keep things friendly, taking Dudley to the hospital, growled Uncle Vernon. Got to get that ruddy tail removed before he goes to Spellington's. Harry woke at five o'clock the next morning as he was too excited and nervous to go back to sleep. He got up and pulled on his jeans because he didn't want to walk into the station in his wizard's robes. He changed on the train. He checked his Hogwarts list yet again to make sure he had everything he needed, saw that Hagrid was shut safely in her cage, and then paced the room, 
waiting for the Dursley to get up. Two hours later, Harry's huge, heavy trunk had been loaded into the Dursley's car. Aunt Petunia had talked Dudley into sitting next to Harry, and they had set off. They reached King Cross at half-past ten. Uncle Vernon dumped Harry's trunk onto a trolley and wheeled it to, into the station for him. Harry thought it was strangely kind until Uncle Vernon stopped dead, facing the platforms with a nasty grin on his face. Well, there you are, boy. Platform nine, platform ten. Your platforms should be somewhere in the middle. But they don't seem to have it built yet, do they? He was quite right, of course. There was a big plastic number nine over one platform and a big plastic number ten over the next one. And in the middle, nothing at all. Have a good term, said Uncle Vernon, with an even nastier smile. He left without another word. Harry turned and saw the Dursleys drive away. All three of them were laughing. Harry's mouth went rather dry. What on earth was he going to do? He was starting to attract a lot of funny looks because of Hedwig. He'd have to ask someone. He stopped a passing guard, but didn't dare mention Platform 9 and 3 quarters. The guard had never heard of Hogwarts, and when Harry couldn't even tell him which part of the country it was in, he started to get annoyed. As though Harry was being stupid on purpose. Getting desperate, Harry asked for the train that left at 11 o'clock, but the guard said there wasn't one. In the end of the guard strode away, muttering about time wasters. Harry was now trying hard not to panic. According to the large clock on the arrival board, he had ten minutes left to get the train on Hogwarts, and he had no idea how to do it. He was straight in the middle of a station, with a trunk he could hardly lift, a pocket full of wizard money, and a large owl. Hagrid must have forgotten to tell them something you had to do, like tapping on the third brick on the left to get into Diagon Alley. He wondered if he should take out his wand and start tapping the ticket books at platforms 9 and 10. At the moment, a group of people passed just behind him, and he caught a few words they were saying. Packed with muggles, of course. Harry swung around. The speaker was a plump woman who was talking to four boys, all with flaming red hair. Each of them were pushing a trunk, like Harry's, in front of them, and they had an owl. Heart hammering, Harry pushed his trolley after them. They stopped, and so did he, just near enough to hear what they were saying. Now what's the platform number? said the boy's mother. Nine and three quarters, piped a small girl, also redheaded, who was holding her hand. Mom, can't I go? You're not old enough, Ginny. Now be quiet. All right, Percy, you go first. What looked like the oldest boy marched towards platform nine and three quarters. Harry watched, careful not to blink in case he missed it. But just as the boy reached the divide between the two platforms, a large crowd of tourists came swarming in front of him. And by the time the last rust sack was had cleared, the boy had vanished. Fred, you next, said the plump woman. I'm not Fred, I'm George, said the boy. Honestly, woman, you call yourselves your mother. Can't you tell I'm George? Sorry, George, dear. Only joking, I'm Fred, said the boy. And off he went. His twin called after him to hurry up. And he must have done. But a second later, he had gone. But how had he done it? Now the third brother was walking briskly towards the ticket barrier. He was almost there, and then quite suddenly he wasn't there anymore. There was nothing else for it. 
Excuse me. Harry said the plump woman. Hello, dear, she said. First time at Hogwarts. Ron's new, too. She pointed at the last and youngest of her sons. He was tall, thin, and gangling, with freckles, big hands, and feet, and a long nose. Yes, said Harry. The thing is, the thing is, I don't know how to. How to get on the platform, she said kindly. And Harry nodded. Not to worry, she said. All you have to do is walk straight at the barrier between platform sign and ten. Don't stop and don't be scared or crash into it. That's very important. Best to do it with a bit of a run if you're nervous. Go on. Go now before run. Uh, okay, said Harry. He pushed his trolley at the barrier. It looked very solid. He started to walk towards it. People jostled him on the way to platforms 9 and 10. Harry walked more quickly. He was going to smash right into the ticket box, and then he'd be in trouble. Leaning forward on his trolley, he broke into a heavy run. The barrier was coming nearer and nearer. He wouldn't be able to stop. The trolley was out of control. He was a foot away. He closed his eyes for the crash. It didn't come. He kept running. He opened his eyes. A scarlet steam engine was waiting next to him. Packed with people. A sign overhead said, Hogwarts Express, 11 o'clock. Harry looked behind him and saw a wrought iron archway where the ticket box had been. With the word platform nine and three quarters on it. He had done it. Smoke from the engine drifted over the heads of the chattering crowd. While cats of every colour wound here and there between their legs. Owls hooted to each other in a disgruntling sort of way over the babble of scrapping of heavy trunks. The first few carriages were already packed with students, some hanging out of the window to talk to their families, some fighting over seats. Harry pushed his trolley off down to the platform in search of an empty seat. He passed a round-faced boy who was saying, Gron, I've lost my toad again. Oh, Neville, he heard it all. Woman sigh. A boy with dreadlocks was surrounded with a small crowd. Give us a look. Lee, go on. The boy lifted a lid in his arms, and the people around him shrieked and yelled as something poked along Harry's leg. Harry pressed on through the crowd until he found a few empty compartments near the end of the train. He put Hagrid inside first and then started to shove his heavy trunk towards the train door. He tried to lift it up, but could hardly raise one end, and twice he dropped it painfully on his foot. What a hand! It was one of the red-haired twins. He followed through the ticket box. Yes, please, Harry panted. Oi, Fred, come here and help! With the twins' help, Harry's trunk was at last trucked away in the corner of his apartment. Thanks, said Harry, pushing his sweaty hair out of his eyes. What's that? With one of the twins pointing at lightings, Blimey! said the other twin. Are you? He is, said the first one. Aren't you? he added to Harry. What? said Harry. Harry Potter! chorused the twins. Oh, him, said Harry. I mean, yes, I am. The two boys gulped at him, and Harry felt himself go red. Then, to his relief, a voice came floating in the through the train's open door. Fred, George, are you here? Coming, Mum. With a last look at the 
Harry. The twins hopped off the train. Harry sat down next to the window, where half hidden he could watch the red-haired family on the platform to hear what they were saying. The mother had just taken out her handkerchief. Ron, you've got something on your nose. The youngest boy tried to jerk out of the way, but she grabbed him and began ramming the end of his nose. Mom, draw. He wrinkled his face. Ah. His Uncle Ronnie got something on his nosey, said one of the twins. Shut up, said Ron. Where's Percy, said their mother. He's coming now. The oldest boy came striding into sight. He had already changed into his billowing black Hogwarts robes, and Harry noticed a shiny gold badge with his chest and the letter P on it. Can't stay long, mother, he said. I'm up front. The prefects have two in compartments to themselves. Oh, are you a prefect, Percy? said one of the twins with an air of great surprise. You should have said something. We had no idea. Hang on. I think I remember him saying something about it, said the other twin. Once or twice a minute all summer? Oh, shut up, said Percy the prefect. How come Percy got new robes anyway? said the one of the twins. Because he's a prefect said their mother fondly. All right, dear, well, have a good term. Send me an owl when you get there. She kissed Percy on the cheek, and he left. Then she turned to the twins. Now, you two, this year, you behave yourselves. If I get one more owl telling me you've blown up the toilet, or... Blown the toilet? You've never blown up a toilet? Great idea, thanks, Mum. It's not funny, and look after Ron. Don't worry, Ica... Ickle Ronikin is safe with us. Shut up, said Ron again. He was almost as tall as the twins. Already with his nose was still pink where his mother had rubbed it. Hey, Mum, guess what? Guess who we just met on the train? Harry leaned back quickly so they couldn't see him looking. You know, that black-haired boy who's near us, station, know who he is? Who? Harry Potter! Harry heard the little girl's voice. Oh, Mom, can I get on the train and see him? Mama, please. You've already seen him, Jenny. And the poor boy isn't something you Google at in the zoo. Is he really, Fred? How do you know? Asked him. So his scar. It's really there like lightning. Poor dear, no wonder he was alone. I wondered. He was ever so polite when he asked me how to get on the platform. Never mind that. Do you think he remembers what you know who looks like? Their mother suddenly became very stern. I forbid you to ask him, Fred. No, don't you dare. As though he needs reminding of that on his first day of school. All right, keep your hair on. A whistle sounded. Hurry up, their mother said. And the three boys clambered on the train. They leaned out the window for her to kiss them goodbye. And the youngest of them began cry. Don't, Guinea, we'll send you loads of owls. We'll send you the Hogwarts toilet seat. George? Only joking, Mum. The train began to move. Harry saw Boy's mother waving and their sister, half laughing, half crying, running to keep up with the train until it gathered too much speed. Then she fell back and waved. Harry watched the girl and her mother disappear as they left the rounded corner. Houses flashed past the window. Harry felt a great leap of excitement. He didn't know what he was going to do, but 
it had to be better than what he was leaving behind. The door of the commandment slid open and the youngest redhead boy came in. Anyone sitting there? he asked, pointing to the seat opposite of Harry. Everywhere else is full. Harry shook his head and the boy sat down. He glanced at Harry and then quickly looked out of the window. Pretending he hadn't looked, Harry saw he still had a black mark on his nose. Hey, Ron. The twins were back. Listen, we're going to go down to the middle of the train. Lee Jordan's got a giant tarantula there. Right, mumbles Ron. Harry, said the other twin, didn't we introduce ourselves? Fred and George Weasley, and this is Ron, our brother. See you later, then. Bye, said Harry and Ron. The twins stood out of the compartment, door shut behind them. Are you really Harry Potter? Ron blurted out. Harry nodded. Oh, well, I thought it might be one of Fred and George's jokes, said Ron. And have you really got, you know, Harry pointed to Harry's forehead. Harry pulled back his friend to show the lightning scar. Ron's dead. So that's where you know who? Yes, said Harry. But I can't remember it. Nothing, said Ron eagerly. Well, I remember a lot of green light, but nothing else. Wow, said Ron. He sat and stared at Harry for a few moments. Then, as though he had suddenly realized what he was doing, he looked quickly out of the window again. Are all your family wizards? asked Harry, who found Ron just as interesting as around from him. Uh, yes, I think so, said Ron. I think Mum's got a second cousin who's an accountant. We never talk about him. So, you must know loads of magic already. The Weasleys were clearly one of those old wizarding families the pale boy in Diagon Alley had talked about. I heard you went to live with the Muggles. What are they like? Horrible. Well, not all of them. My aunt and uncle and cousin were, though. I wish I had three wizard brothers. Five, said Ron. For some reason, he was looking gloomy. I'm the sixth in our family to go Hogwarts. You could say I've got a lot to live up to. Bill and Charlie had already left. Bill was head boy, and Charlie was captain of Quidditch. Now, Perfie's a prefect. Fred and George mess around a lot, but they still get really good marks, and everyone thinks they're really funny. Everyone expects me to do just as well as the others. But if I don't, it's no big deal, because they did it first. You never get anything new either, with five brothers. I've got Bill's old robes, Charlie's old one, and Percy's old rat. Ron reached inside his jacket and pulled out a fat grey rat, which was asleep. His name's Scabbers, and he's useless. He hardly ever wakes up. Percy got an owl from my mum and dad for being made a prefect. But they couldn't... Uh, I mean, I got Scabbers instead. Ron's ears went pink. He seemed to think he said too much, because he went back to staring out of the window. Harry didn't think there was anything wrong with not being able to afford an owl. After all, he'd never had any money in his life until a month ago, and he told Ron so, all about having to wear Dudley's old clothes and never getting proper birthday present. This seemed to cheer up Ron, and then until Hagrid told me. I didn't know anything about being a wizard or my parents, or Voldemort. <gasps> Ron gasped. What? said Harry. You said you know whose name, said Ron, sounding both shocked and impressed. I'd have thought you of all people.
I'm not trying to be brave or anything, saying this name, said Harry. I just never knew you shouldn't, see what I mean? I've got loads to learn, I bet, he added, voicing for the first time something that had been worrying him a lot lately. I bet I'm the worst in the class. You won't be. There's a lot of people who come from muggle families, and they learn enough quick enough. While they had been talking, the train had carried them out of London. Now they were speeding past fields full of cows and sheep. They were quiet for a time, watching the fields and lanes flick past. Around half past twelve, there was a great clattering outside the corridor, and a smiling, dimple woman slid back their door and said, Anything off the trolley, dears? Harry, who hadn't had anything breakfast, leapt to his feet. Ron's ears went pink again, and he muttered that he had brought sandwiches. Harry went out of the corridor. Never seen had money for sweets with the Dursleys, and now that he had pockets rattling in gold and silver, he was ready to buy as many Mars bears as he could. But the woman didn't have Mars bars. What she did have were Bertie bought every flavour beans, drool best blowy gum, chocolate frogs, pumpkin pastries, cauldron cakes, licorice wands, and a number of odd strange things Harry had never seen in his life. Not wanting to miss anything, he got some of everything and paid the woman eleven silver sickles and seven bronze nuts. Ron stared as Harry brought back it all back in the compartment and tipped it on the empty seat. Hungry, are you? Starving, said Harry, taking a large bite of pumpkin pastry. Ron had taken out a lumpy package and wrapped it. There were four sandwiches in it. He pulled one of them apart. She always forgets I don't like corned beef. Sop you one for these. Here one. You don't want this. It's all dry. She hasn't got much time. He said actually, you know, with the five of us, go on, have a pastry, said Harry, who never said anything to share before, indeed anyone to share it with. It was a nice feeling, sitting there with Ron, eating their way through all Harry's pastries and cakes. The sandwiches lay forgotten. What are these? Harry asked Ron, holding up a pack of chocolate frogs. They're not really frogs, are they? He was starting to feel that nothing would surprise him. No, said Harry. But see what the card is. I'm missing a grouper. Oh, of course you don't know. Chocolate frogs have a card inside of them. You know, to collect famous witches and wizards. I've got 500, but I haven't got a grouper or Ptolemy. Harry unwrapped his chocolate frog and picked up the card. It showed a man's face. He wore half moon glasses, had a crooked nose, and flowing silver hair, beard, and moustache. One of the picture was the name Albus Dumbledore. So this is Dumbledore, said Harry. Don't tell me you've never heard of Dumbledore, said Ron. Can I have a frog? I might get a ripper. Thanks. Harry turned over his card. Albus Dumbledore, currently headmaster of Hogwarts, considered by many the greatest wizards of modern times. Professor Dumbledore is particularly famous for his defeat of the dark wizard Grindelwald in 1945, for the discovery of 12 uses of dragon's blood, and his work on academy with the partner Nicholas Famel. Professor Dumbledore enjoys his chamber music with temp and bowling. Harry turned the card back over and saw, to his enchantment, Dumbledore's face had disappeared. 
He's gone. But I can't expect him to hang around all day, said Ron. He'll be back. No, I've got Morgana again. I've got about six of her. Do you want it? You can start collecting. Ron's eyes strayed to the pile of chocolate frogs waiting to be unwrapped. Help yourself, said Harry. But in, you know, the muggle world, people just stay in the photos. Do they? What? They don't move at all? Ron said in amaze. Weird. Harry stared as Dumbledore slided back into the picture on his card and gave a small smile. Ron was more interested in eating the frogs than looking at the famous witches or witches cards. But Harry couldn't keep his eyes off them. Soon he did not only Dumbledore, Morgana, but Highness of Woodcraft, Albert Grunion, Screece, Paracelsus, and Marlin. He finally tore his eyes away from the Dreadus Clonda, who was scratching her nose to open a, a bag of pretty bots every flavor beans. You want to be careful with those, Ron warned Harry. When they say every flavor, they mean every flavor. You know you can get the ordinary ones like chocolate, peppermint, and marmalade, but you can also get spinach and liver and tripe. George reckons he had boogie flavor once. Ron picked up a green bean, looked at it carefully, and bit cut. Blah! See? Sprouts. They had a good time eating every flavor of beans. Harry got toast, coconut, baked beans, strawberry, curry, grass, coffee, sardine. It was even brace enough to build the end of a funny gray one. Rumor in touch, which turned out to be pepper. The countryside, now flying past the window, was becoming wilder. The neat fields were has gone. Now there were woods, twisting rivers, and dark green hills. There was a knock on the door on the compartment, and a round-faced boy, Harry, and passed on platform nine and three quarters, came in. He looked tearful. Sorry, he said, but have you seen a toad at all? When they shook their heads, he wailed, I've lost him. He keeps getting away from me. He'll turn up, said Harry. Yes, said the boy miserably. Well, if you see him, he left. Don't know why he was so bothered, said Ron. If I'd brought a toad, I'd lose it as quick as I could. Mind you, I bought Scrabbers, so I can't talk. The rat was still snoozing in Ron's lap. He might have died, and you wouldn't know the difference, said Ron in disgust. I tried to turn him yellow yesterday to make him look more interesting, but the spell didn't work. I'll show you. Look. He rummaged around his trunk and pulled out a very battered-looking one. It was chipped in places, and something white was glinted at the end. Unicorn's hair nearly poking out. Anyway, he had just raised his wand when the compartment door slid open again. The toddler's boy was back, but this time he had a girl with him. She was wearing her new Hogwarts robes. Has anyone seen a toad? That was lost one, she said. She had a bossy sort of voice. Also, bushy brown hair and rather front teeth. We've already told you we haven't seen him, said Ron. But the girl wasn't listening. She was looking at the one in her hand. Oh, so you're doing magic. Let's see then. She sat down. Ron looked taken aback. Uh, all right. He cleared his toes. Sunshine, daisy, buttermellow. Turn this stupid fat rat yellow. He waved his wand, but nothing happened. Sabers stayed grey, 
and fast asleep. Are you sure that's a real spell? said the girl. Well, it's not very good, is it? I've had a sample spells. Just for some practice, it's worked all for me. Nobody in my family is magic at all. It was never such a surprise when I got my letter. But I was ever so pleased, of course. I mean, it's the best school of witchcraft there is. I've heard... I've learnt all, all our set of books, of course, by heart. I just hope it'll be enough. I'm Hermione Granger, by the way. Who are you? She said all this very fast. Harry looked at Ron, who was relieved to see by his stunned face that he hadn't learned all the sets of books off by heart either. I'm Ron Weasley, Ron muttered. Harry Potter, said Harry. Are you really? said Hermione. I know all about you, of course. I got a few extra books for background reading, and you're in the mad, done magical history, and the rise and fall of the dark arts, and great wizarding events of the 20th century. Am I? said Harry, feeling dazed. Goodness, didn't you know? I'd have found out everything I could if it was me, said Hermione. Do you either of you hope what house you'll be in? I've been asking around, and I hope I'm in Gryffindor. It sounds by far the best. I heard Dumbledore himself was one. But I suppose Ravenclaw wouldn't be too bad. Anyway, we're to go look for Neville's toad. You two had better change, you suppose. I expect we'll be there soon. And she left, taking the toadless boy with her. Whatever house I'm in, I hope she's not in it, said Ron. He threw his wand back into the trunk. Stupid spell. George gave it to me. Bet he knew it was a dud. What house are your brothers in? Asked Harry. Gryffindor, said Ron. Gloom seemed to be settling on him again. Mum and Dad weren't, too. I don't know what they'll say if I'm not. I don't suppose Ravenclaw would be too bad for but imagine if they put me in Slytherin. That's the house of Vol... So, I mean, you know who was in. Yeah, said Ron. He flopped back on to his seat, looking depressed. You know, I think the end of Scabber's whiskers are a bit lighter, said Harry, trying to make Ron's mind off houses. So, what do your oldest brothers do now? They've left anyway. Harry was wondering what a wizard does once they've finished school. Charlie is ro in Romania selling dragons and builds in Africa, doing something for Gringotts, said Ron. Did you hear about Gringotts? It's been all over the Daily Prophet. But I don't suppose you get that with muggles. Someone tried to rob the high security vault. Harry stared. Really? What happened to them? Nothing. That's why it's such big news. They haven't been caught. My dad says it must have been a powerful dark wizards to get around Gringotts, but they don't think they took anything. That's odd. Course, everyone gets scared when something like this happens in case you know who's behind it. Harry turned the news over in his mind. He was starting to get a prickle of fear every time you-know-who was mentioned. He supposed this was all part of entering the magical world. But it had been a lot more comfortable saying Voldemort without worrying. What's your Quidditch team? Ron asked. Uh, I don't know any. Harry confessed. What? Ron looked dumbfounded. Oh, wait. It's the best game in the world. 
and he was off, explaining all about the four balls and their positions with the seven players, describing famous games he'd been to with his brothers, and a broomstick he'd like to get if he had the money. He was just taking Harry through the final points of the game when the cabalmet slid again. But it wasn't Neville, the toilet's boy, or Hermione Granger this time. Three boys entered, and Harry recognized the middle one at once. It was a pale boy from Madame Malkin's rope shop. He was looking at Harry with a lot more interest than he'd shown back in Diagon Alley. Is it true, he said, they're saying all down the train that Harry Potter's in the commandment. So it's you, is it? Yes, said Harry. He was looking at the other boys. Both of them were the thickest and looked extremely mean. Standing either side of the pale boy, they looked like bodyguards. Oh, this is Crab and Goyle, said the pale boy, carelessly noticing where Harry was looking. And my name's Malfoy. Draco Malfoy. Ron gave a slight cough, which might have been hiding a snigger. Draco Malfoy looked at him. Think the name's funny, do you? No need to ask your My father told me all Weasleys have red hair, freckles, and more children than they can afford. He turned back to Harry. You'll soon find out some ridging families are much better than others, Potter. You don't want to go making friends with the wrong sort. I can help you there. He held out his hand to shake Harry's, but Harry didn't take it. I think I can tell who the wrong sort are for myself, thanks, he said coolly. Draco Malfoy didn't go red, but a pink tinge appeared in his pale cheeks. I'd be careful if I were you, Potter, he said slowly. Unless you're a bit politer, you'll go the same way as your parents. They didn't know what was good for them either. You hang around with a riffraff like the Weasleys and that Hagrid, and it'll rub on you. Both Harry and Ron stood up. Ron's face was red as hair. Say that again, he said. Oh, you're going to fight us, are you? Malfoy sneered. Unless you get out now, said Harry more bravely than he felt, because Crabbe and Goyle were a lot bigger than he and Ron. But... We don't feel like leaving, do we, boys? We've eaten all our food and still seem to have some. Girl reached towards the chocolate fox next to the room. Ron leapt forward, but before he so much as touched Goyle, Goyle let out a horrible yell. Scabbers the rat was hanging on his finger. Sharp little teeth sunk into Goyle's knuckles. Grab and Wolf backed away as Goyle swung Scabbers round and round howling and when scabbers finally flew off and hit the window all three of them disappeared at once perhaps they thought they were more rats lurking among the streets or perhaps they heard footsteps because a second later hermione granger came in what has been going on she said looking at the sweets all over the floor and ron picking them up scabbers by his tail i think he's been knocked out Ron said to Harry. He looked closer at Scabbers. No, I don't believe. He's gone back to sleep. And so he had. You've met Malfoy before? Harry explained about their meeting in Diagon Alley. I've heard of his family, said Ron darkly. They were some of the first to come back to our side after you know who disappeared. Said they'd been witched. My dad doesn't believe it. He says Malfoy's father didn't need an excuse to go over to the dark side. He turned to Hermione. Can we help you with something?
you'd better hurry up and put your robes on. I've just been up at the front desk to ask the driver, and he says we're nearly there. You haven't been fighting, have you? You'll be in trouble before we even get there. Scabbers has been fighting, not us, said Round, scowling at her. Would you mind leaving while we change? All right. I only came in here because people outside are behaving very childlessly, racing up and down the corridors, said Hermione in a sniffy voice. And you've got dirt on your nose, by the way. Did you know? Ron glared at her as she left. Harry peered out of the window. It was getting dark. He could see the mountains and forests under a deep purple sky. The train didn't seem to be slowing down. He and Ron took off their jackets and pulled on their long black robes. Ron was a bit short for him. You could see his trainers underneath him. A voice echoed through the train. We will be reaching Hogwarts in five minutes' time. Please leave your luggage on the train. It will be taken to school separately. Harry's stomach lurched with nerves, and Ron, he saw, looked pale under his freckles. They crammed their pockets with a lot last of sweets and joined the crowd thronging the corridor. The train slowed right down and finally stopped people pushed their way towards the door and out to a tiny dark platform. Harry shivered in the cold night air. Then a lamp came bobbing over the heads of the students and Harry heard a familiar voice. First years, first years, over here. All right there, Harry. Hagrid's big hairy face beamed over the sea of heads. Come on, follow me. Any more first years? Mind your step now, first years, follow me. Slipping and stumbling, they followed Hagrid down what seemed to be a steep, narrow path. It was so dark either side of them that Harry thought there must be thick trees there. Nobody spoke much. Neville, the boy who kept losing his toad, sniffed once or twice. You'll get your first sight of Hogwarts in a sec, Hagrid called over to his soul. We're just round this bend here. There was a loud, ooh. The narrow path had opened suddenly on the edge of the Great Lake, perched atop a high mountain on other side, its windows sparkling in the starry sky above a vast castle with many turrets and towers. No more fall to the boat. Hagrid called, pointing to a fleet of little boats sitting by the water shore. Harry and Ron were followed by into their boat by Neville and Hermione. Everyone in, shouted Hagrid, who had a boat to himself. Right then, forward. And the fleet of the little boats moved off all at once. Gliding across the lake, which was smooth as glass, everyone was silent, staring up at the gate castle ahead. It towered over them as they sailed nearly and near to the cliff, on which it stood. Heads down, yelled Hagrid as the first boat reached the cliff. They all bent their heads, and the little boats carried them through a curtain of ivy, which hit a wide opening in the cliff face. They were carried along a dark tunnel, which seemed to be taking them right underneath the castle, until they reached a kind of underground harbor, which they clambered out on the, to the rocks and pebbles. Oi, you there! Is that your toad?
said Hagrid, who was checking the boats as people climbed out. Trevor! cried Neville blissfully, holding out in his hands. Then they clambered up a passageway in the rock after Hagrid's lamp, coming out at last on to smooth, damp grass, right in the shadow of the castle. They walked up a flight of stone steps and crowded around the huge oak front door. Everyone here? You there? Still got your toad? Hagrid raised a gigantic fist and knocked three times on the castle door. Thank you for listening to me read the sixth chapter of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, which is Platform 9 and 3 quarters. Thank you for staying with me for these long 41 minutes. And also, I have come up with a new website in which you can check out all of my new podcasts. It is Let's Read HP slash hubhopper.com, which is also given in the description. See you next time. Bye!